Hey, what's up, guys? Happy, happy Friday. I hope that you have had a good week. It's been an entertaining one in the boxing world, particularly on uh, boxing Twitter. We've had a lot of fun because of the things that have uh, popped up. And um, hey, it's never a dull moment, right? Just when you think that you're going to have another routine week, some crazy shenanigans pop up. And uh, yeah, that's the boxing world. So this weekend, we were set to have, of course, there's the card. Well, we got a few. Let me, let me break it down real, real quick for you guys. Tonight in Plant City, Florida, there is a card on ProBox, the ProBox app. Shukan going up against Brandon Benitez, 10 rounds, junior welterweights. I like when Shukan fights. That's going to be entertaining. That's going to be fun. Tomorrow night, Carson, California. That's uh, just south of Los Angeles on Showtime. Sebastian Fondora. Going up against Carlos Ocampo, uh, that's 12 rounds, junior middleweights, of course. That's a pretty fun card, man. There's another title. There's a full title fight on there. I should mention the Fedora Ocampo fight is for like an interim belt. It's more like a mandatory situation. But uh, legit world title, uh, it is a junior bantamweight, 115-pound title. Fernando Martinez versus Jerwin Ancajas, uh, that's also on that card. Igadigis Kavaliauskis versus Michael Fox, that's fun. Gabriela Fandora, that is uh, Sebastian's sister. She's fighting on that card. Carlos Adamas versus Juan Masias Montiel. That should be pretty fun, too. So that's a good card. But the one that had people really excited was going to be Connor Ben moving up in weight all the way up to middleweight, a catchweight, but a middleweight catchweight to fight Chris Eubank Jr. And that got blown up because VADA, that is the Voluntary Anti Doping Association, uh, Took some samples from both fighters throughout camp, and I guess a sample that was taken from Connor Ben came birth came back with an adverse finding for a banned substance called clomiphene or clomid, you might see for short. So, uh, without going into an hour-long diatribe about what that actual substance does, you know, I, I'll just give you guys the basics. It is a fertility drug. All right. Um, there is really no reason for a man to have this in his system unless you're one of the men out there that is having trouble getting pregnant. You know, if you're trying to get your wife pregnant and, um, you know, I don't want to make fun, okay, but there are some men out there that have a low testosterone count, low sperm count, and they need something like that. But it's actually, um, other than that, there is absolutely no reason for a grown man to have that drug in his system particularly in Connor Ben's situation a very healthy young man in his 20s who is a world-class athlete he's a professional athlete um obviously has no problems building muscle so you you look at him and you could it's it's blatantly obvious he doesn't have a low testosterone count there's no issues there right look at the guy's physique you can't have a low testosterone count. And I know one of you guys will pull out some exception. Well, this one time in 1947, look, 99.9% .9 of the time, you cannot be a world-class athlete competing as a professional and have low testosterone. It, it just doesn't work, right? So clearly uh, for Connor Ben to have this stuff in his system, something's going on. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, <clears throat> this particular drug, uh, blocks. I, get, I don't want to go into a bunch of details. It, it, it 
blocks estrogen from being produced in your system. It helps produce testosterone. I'll just, I'll put it to you that way. Okay. For somebody who's been cycling on something, if they're trying to gain muscle, gain weight, move up in weight with added muscle, um, sound familiar? Your body will stop uh, producing testosterone naturally because you're putting synthetic shit into your system. So a drug like this can help get that going again. Um, and so your nuts don't turn into raisins. I'm abbreviating. I could talk about this for an hour. That's basically what it does. And I know 5,000 experts are about to hit the chat and say, actually, Mike, you got this word wrong. And this, you should have conjugated this verb. And guys, the basics is what I just covered. Okay. There is no good reason that this should have been in Connor Ben's system. So was I present when this guy was in camp? Have I been around him 24 hours a day? No, I've never even met Connor Ben. Okay. So I can't say with 100% certainty, but this is a glaring, giant, waving red flag that the guy's a doper, at least for this camp where he was moving up from 147 to fight at 157 against a guy who has fought as high as 168. I don't know how many red flags you guys need to see because this, this drug doesn't pop up in tainted meat or wild boar or any of those other excuses you've heard. There's no reason for this to be in his system, okay? So there's that. That's discovered this week. Now, apparently the sample was collected a while ago, but it just was reported to the media this week. Now, I'm still figuring the details out with all that. And let me be clear about something, because some of you guys uh, out there have said, well, does this, this was done by VADA, I should, I should mention, okay? And several of you guys have said uh, or asked, you know, does this mean VADA shady? Listen, all VADA, VADA is contracted to perform drug testing. That is all. They do not do reporting. They do not adjudicate, you know, anything, anything after. They simply are hired by a promoter, a fighter, sanctioning organization, whatever. Whatever entity hires them, they contract them out to collect samples, to test those samples, and to report the results back to the very people who hired them and nothing more. So VADA did their job. Okay. That's it. It's not their job to tell the media. It's not their job to tell anybody else other than the direct parties involved who hired them. I want to make sure that's clear. It's up to the promotion and the parties involved to decide what they're going to do with these results, how they're going to tell the media to uh, inform the, the sanctioning organizations and all this stuff. So if, if the timing of this was poor, the, the timing of the communication, if that was poor, that's not on VADA. That's on Matchroom Boxing and Eddie Hearn and everybody associated with this fight, particularly Team Ben. Not, you can't really blame Team Eubanks for this, obviously, right? Okay, so let's make that clear. So earlier in the week, it gets reported that this happened. I'm not going to read, like, Matchroom has put out 500 statements this week. I'm, I'm not going to read all the statements. All right, you guys have already seen this shit anyway. Just going to give my thoughts. The first statement essentially said this, there was, I don't even think they mentioned the drug. I think they just said that there is an adverse finding in the A sample. By the way, this whole A sample, B sample thing is fucking rubbish. It's rubbish. 
the logic behind it is that, well, maybe somebody tainted the A sample. Maybe someone's fingerprint smudged the sample. And, and so let's test the B sample too. There has never been a case that I can think of, correct me if I'm wrong, that the B sample and A sample has turned out to be different. It's the same fucking sample. They put it in two different containers and that's it, okay? So anyway, I just want to make sure that's clear. But in a statement, it said the A sample was collected. The B sample hasn't been tested yet. However, the British Board of Boxing Control does not adhere to VADA in their judgments or rulings or whatever. Again, I'm totally paraphrasing here. Um, so, uh, but the BBBFC does go along with UCAD, which is UK anti-doping. And neither Connor Ben nor Chris Eubanks Jr., has failed a UCAD test. So we're going to go forward with the fight. That was essentially the statement put out. So try to picture the logic here, okay? Um, what Eddie and Matchroom are telling people is, we paid money for the best testing available. That's VADA, which is voluntary, okay? Unless you're in the WBC clean boxing program, um, and that system is flawed as well. I've talked about that before, but if you guys have questions about that, I can address it again, but we paid for this voluntary testing because it's the best testing in the world and people involved in the fight wanted it. There's also UCAD, which is essentially for you guys in America. Think about it. If you lived in California and you did an athletic event there and the athletic commission asked you to piss in a cup, after your fight or after your game or whatever it is, that's basically UCAD. Okay. It's the equivalent over there in the UK, not exact apples to apples, but that's basically what it is. Okay. It's state sponsored. If you will, uh, we paid all this money for this voluntary doping stuff and we found an adverse finding. So we're not going to, we're, we're just going to ignore that. We paid for that shit and everything, but we're, we're just going to ignore those results because the commission here doesn't even recognize those results anyway. They go by this state sponsored. So the state goes with state sponsored testing, slight conflict of interest. <laughs> and we're going to go by those results. So it was very insulting to the intelligence of any knowledgeable fight fan or sports fan, right? Anybody who has, um, any knowledge at all about doping and, and this sort of thing. And I've learned a lot about this subject in recent years. Uh, I certainly was no expert when I started getting involved in the boxing beat, but the whole Mayweather IV gate is what got me really plunging into it and learning a lot and talking to a lot of experts. So I've spent a lot of time reading and speaking and learning about this stuff, uh, attending lectures, all kinds of things. Okay. By no means an expert, but I've talked to plenty of them. Anyway, Anybody with a shred of knowledge could read through that and just go, what the fuck? Come on, guys. We're not boxing fans. We're pretty fucking stupid, but we're not that stupid. Um, then later on in the week, it might have actually been yesterday, maybe this morning. I, I can't remember. All the days bleed together. Another statement comes out. Well, you know what? We're going to go ahead and postpone this. And that's it. We don't. As of the time I'm recording this, um, we don't have a date. We don't know the location or what's going on. But yeah, so, so, and I should also mention that the BBBFC had their own statement saying, yeah, this fight isn't going forward. He tested positive for something. We're not allowing this. So 
their state or their statement was uh, in dissonance with Matrum's statement. So clearly there is some miscommunication there and uh, they didn't all agree that this thing should go forward. Ultimately, Matrum acquiesced and um, here we are. So that is where we're at with all of that. Um, my thoughts on this, okay, just to make it very, very clear. There's too many red flags. Connor Ben, yeah, he's dirty. Now, does this mean he's been doping up for his entire career? I don't know. I do think it's worth noting. And I should, you know what? I'm actually going to pull up his, um, let's see, his box rec. Because I'm not going to go through all of his fights. But he has 14 stoppages in 21 fights. There was a streak there. Yeah, I'm looking at 2017 uh, through 2018, 2019. There were several fights in a row that went to distance, right? Uh, he went to distance in a six-rounder, his first 10-rounder, an eight-rounder. There was uh, He fought Sebastian Formella in 2020. That went to distance. Um, Adrian Granados did go to distance, but he has had some impressive KOs recently, man. Chris Algieri sparked him out in four rounds. Chris Van Heerden sparked him out in two rounds. You go back to 2021, he sparked out Samuel Vargas in a round. Now, again, none of this means a damn thing in terms of like proving anything. It is somewhat suspicious, though, because you go back to his early career, he wasn't exactly sparking guys out. Several of his four rounders did go the distance, um, uh, his early fights, I should say. So uh, four and six rounders, I should say. So there's that, but again, none of that means anything in terms of, you know, proving it's all conjecture, but in this particular instance, okay. In a fight where he signed on to fight a much bigger guy, he was moving up in weight. He was bulking up and he has a fertility drug in his system guys. He, he was cheating. I'm sorry. And I'm trying to be consistent here. I've been consistent talking about Tyson Fury back in 2015. He was absolutely doping back then. I'm sorry. I don't buy the wild boar excuse. Floyd Mayweather in 2015, IV gate, he was absolutely masking something. Now, we can suspect other people were doing things at different times, right? Um, Manny Pacquiao sure has a, lo a lot of suspicion around him because uh, at first saying he was scared of needles and such, uh, with the Floyd Mayweather, the way he communicated wasn't very good. He has since kind of made up for some of that because he actually wanted Vada testing against Floyd. He had done Vada testing for several fights before he fought Floyd. It was Floyd who turned down Vada testing and demanded USADA, which cost 10 times more than 10 times as much. It cost Floyd over six figures to do USADA testing for that fight, but he got the TUE and the IV bag at home privately. And Manny Pacquiao's team wasn't even informed. I absolutely believe something shady was going on right there. Uh, Canelo and Clembuterol. Yeah, that looks pretty shady. Um, Dillian White. There were some things going on there. It looked pretty shady. I mean, I, I, on and on and on I could go, okay? Um, but in this particular case, it, something was going on. So it's one thing to suspect a guy, you know, something doesn't look right. When Juan Manuel Marquez fought Manny Pacquiao, that fourth fight, he looked different on that particular night, and he never wanted a fifth fight. That was it. Something looked different. There's plenty of times where we can look at that, but it's not really proof. But when you have something like this, when a guy actually tests positive or he's doing something shady through a testing agency, as Floyd did with USADA, 
things like that. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a massive red flag. That's different than just being suspicious. That's actually, there, there's some evidence there. there. There's something, it's circumstantial, okay, but there's some evidence there. So in this particular instance, there's something going on that's kind of shady. Uh, you just, now, will this fight happen? When will it happen? I don't freaking know. Um, that remains to be seen. Do I think Conor Ben is going to be kicked out of the sport? No, I don't. Do I think he's going to be, look, Jarrell Miller still gets fights. Uh, you, Jean Pascal recently had a fight sign. It fell through, but he, he still gets fights. These guys are serial dopers. These guys were, have been busted for multiple drugs in their system. Not a fertility drug either, like real fucking steroids. Um, and they're still fighting. So, uh, yeah, some of the biggest stars in UFC, John Jones, how many times has that guy popped? Got plenty of fights after it. So in, in fight sports and really all sports in general, could you imagine in football if Tom Brady tested positive for steroids? Do you think the NFL would ban him? Fuck no. They'd suspend him for a few games and he'd be right back. Stars don't, not that Conor Ben's a massive star, but boxing is so desperate for stars. I was going to say stars don't get banned. Conor Ben is a name over in the UK, and this fight between him and Eubank is a big fight over there. It's going to do numbers. So, uh, yeah, that's why Matchroom wanted to go forward with it. it. It will probably eventually still happen, guys. All right, super chat from Sam. Thank you so much, brother. He says, they canceled because one guy hadn't had sex in weeks, and the other guy clearly is trying to get pregnant. <laughs> and it could get ugly. Dude, it, that's great, Sam. Uh, there's a bunch of memes all over Twitter. They've been outstanding. There's several memes uh, of Connor Ben with a, with a pregnancy belly and stuff like that. You guys saw my, my thumbnail for this uh, video. Um, I, I've had fun trolling with this too, because what else can you do? Because in the end, you know Ben's going to fight, and you know this fight will probably still happen. It may not happen this year. It may not happen until next year. You know, there could be a suspension, but it will happen. And just knowing that, it's like, what else can you do but have fun with it and make some jokes? Um, yeah, so I've seen all sorts of uh, fun memes, dude. Fun memes like that. Uh, let's see, Trent Nanpareo, Super Chat. Thank you, Trent. He says, um, what, what is this word? Oh, I'm sorry. That was a typo. I was wondering what the hell you said there, Trent. You said Darrell or Plant. I hope Zach Parker interview is a go. Um, Darrell or Plant, I'm going to take Plant in that fight. I'm going to take Plant in that fight by decision. I don't think it's going to be particularly exciting or entertaining, but it is what it is. Zach Parker still working on it. I talked to Tom Loeffler earlier this week. Um, I meant for it to be a quick interview, but me and Tom go back, and he's just a cool guy. We ended up talking for like 40 minutes. And so I split it into two parts. Part one is out right now, guys. You can check it out. Part two will come out uh, next week. I'll release that next week. By the way, several of you guys were asking about the closed door weigh-in for Canelo Golovkin 3. That happened early in the morning before their public weigh-in for the cameras later that day. I talked to Tom directly about that. You guys check out the interview to hear all about it. One foot out the door. Thank you so much. He says, 60% Ubik Jr. shirts are suddenly selling out. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> There's, there is an inside joke. to If you get what he's saying, 
then congratulations, you are officially a diehard boxing degenerate. The The amount of humans on earth that would get that joke is got to be a fraction of 1%. Um, so we are truly, truly a special group of people. Truly. Aaron with the super chat. Uh, thank you so much. He says, yo, Mike, who you got in this Eginton-Hogan scrap tonight? I completely forgot about that. Is that on the Pro Box card? Hang on one second. Let me look this up. Or is that over there in uh, the UK? It is. It's a Newcastle. Wow, that's a really... why. How did I overlook this fight? I guess with all the craziness going on, I overlooked it. Yeah, so... um, And, and over there in Australia, you guys get this on Fox Australia, it looks like. Oh, I'm, yeah, this is a new uh, South, New South Wales, Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia. Awesome, man. All right. So, um, so shit, it's almost got to be happening soon. If it's, oh, no, it's tomorrow. Okay. Okay. So it's tomorrow over there. All right. Sam Eggington versus Dennis Hogan. You know what, dude? Uh, I'm going to take Eggington decision on that one. He's been on a little bit better of a run lately, but style wise, that's going to be fun. Enjoy it, bro, if you're going. All right. Do we have any more? Do we have any more Super Chats before I move on? Deed. Thank you so much, Deed. He says, Jarrell Miller had the whole pharmacy. Yeah, man. I can't remember how many drugs it was. I want to say it was like four or five that they found. It was like the first report came out. They found one thing. And then like another one came out and another one from the same fucking sample. They just kept finding more shit in that sample. I'm like, oh, my God. How many drugs was this fucking guy doing? And he's not ripped, right? He's he's a obese kind of guy. Uh, he he cuts down weight, you know, without boxing, without martial arts. That guy would be massive. But um, it just goes to show you that not all juicers look the way you think. They don't look stereotypically the way you think. There are some people juicing that look like Lance Armstrong that are bean poles, like super skinny. And then there are people juicing that look like James Tony did when he was juicing at heavyweight or Big Baby Miller, guys like that, where they got bitch tits and back fat and shit, right? They got a fupa and all that. Uh, and then you get your guys like Connor Ben, you know, that look like that, or like Roy Jones, like he, he did some stuff when he was moving up to heavyweight. Uh, we've seen stuff like that before. Shane Mosley. You know, so so it is what it is, you know. Um, it, it, it's it, You can't just go based on looks. You just can't. There's so many of these drugs out there right now. Papa Chubby with the super chat. Thank you so much. He says, as a parent of a 16-year-old, I find myself wondering at what point does nutritional advantage, quote unquote, enter the locker room? I hear you, Chad. Um, I will say this. I've talked about this uh I, I think I have on, on the show before from my limited experience, uh, boxing, um, you know, I've sparred guys that were rumored to be doing some shit. I, I sparred, I've sparred one guy that, uh, had got hormone therapy because he had a major surgery. And as part of it, he got like T therapy, hormone therapy, all kinds of stuff. And he was all pretty open about it and it felt different sparring that dude the 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 explosiveness he had when he got all the way healthy again and then i've sparred guys that were rumored to be on some shit and were just cardio freaks um and just rumored everyone in the gym talked about like that dude's doing this doing that it does feel different 
Um, and again, with, with a sport like boxing and other martial arts, it's not necessarily always about putting on muscle. Sometimes it's about endurance. Sometimes like bronchodilators, like um, uh, clenbuterol, stuff like that. Or that nose spray shit that uh, Billy Joe Saunders was doing. If you can get more oxygen in your lungs, right? If you can get um, your cardiovascular system isn't working quite as hard when all that stuff's dilated and you're getting more oxygen into your bloodstream and all of that, you can go harder in sparring. You can go harder just even doing bag bag work and stuff like that. Um, and, and yeah, those guys, you see a difference, you know? Um, and if you're doing shit naturally, um, it's, um, it's frustrating knowing that that stuff's going on, but it is. And the crazy thing is there's more and more of that stuff out there. Glenn in the chat says, and it's about recovery, 100%, especially the older you get. It's, um, you know, I'm 43. It's a recovery is huge. You know, um, when I was young, I remember I'd work out whatever I train and like, I'd be sore the next day. Now, as a 43 year old, I'm sore 48 hours later, I'm sore that second day, you know, and sometimes if I haven't been lifting weights that first week or two back in the gym, lifting weights, especially legs, dude, I, I might be sore for four or five fucking days with my legs and stuff, you know? Um, so imagining that or knowing that there are guys at the gym doing certain things to aid in recovery where they're lifting weights just like me, but they're fresh the next day. And I'm walking like Frankenstein, you know, uh, that's frustrating, but it's out there. It's out there. Absolutely. Billy Falco checking in. What's up, Billy? Says there's a lot more boxers on the gas than people know about it. Um, they're they're just not getting caught in cycling right. If you get one percent better recovery and training camp, that's still an edge in camp. Absolutely, Billy. You think about it. I know you know about this, brother. Like if you're trying to cut weight, but just getting in shape. If you have a six week camp and every day you get one percent more, six weeks is what forty two days. That's one percent. For 42 days, you start doing the math there. That shit adds up, right? It adds up a lot. It's like interest. Every day you're getting a little bit of interest, but that shit compounds every day. That 1% week one, that's like 30% week five. You know what I'm saying? So, so like these guys, even if you're microdosing and doing just a little bit, just where you get a little more out of your uh, bag work, your mitt work, your road work, and of course, sparring. It really, it really makes a difference. And then by the time you cycle off right before fight week and all that shit's cleaned out of your system, because some of these drugs are truly out of your system in three or four days. They're out of there real quick, especially if you're diluting yourself with an IV, <clears throat> IV gate. Uh, it, you still have the benefits because your body is in such great freaking condition. And during fight week, you're giving your body a little bit of a rest so that you go into fight night super fresh, right? Because you ha you've had that rest now for a few days. Uh, you've cycled off of stuff, but the benefits of it are still in your system. All the cardio work you did, all that's still there. And then you get a few days of rest during fight week. Boom, you go out in fight night and you show out 100%. Yeah, man, it's um, scary times. All right. Uh, 
let's go. We got one phone call here. I'll jump to the UK and grab this call, guys. And then we'll talk some more. Because, look, we still got a preview. Uh, again, we got fights tonight in, uh, in, in Florida on Pro Box. We got a fight card tomorrow in California on Showtime. We got that card over in Australia that uh, Aaron brought up. So we do have some fights to talk about. But I'll grab this call first. Let's go to the UK. What's up? You're on the show. Hey, Michael. It's Pat from Britain again. How you doing? You good? Pat, doing good, man. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Just a few uh, points, if I may, about uh, the debacle this week with Connor Ben and uh, Chris Eubank. I, I found a lot I, after the fact, you know, just with work and stuff. I didn't see everything until a few hours later. Um, first off, I wasn't, although I'm a, I told you before I've met Nigel Ben, big Nigel Ben fan, I was looking forward to the fight, but I wasn't amped up for the fight. Do you know what I mean? I thought it'd be good good to watch it, but I don't think it had the same feel. I mean, obviously, I was only a kid at the time when their dads fought, so it's a little bit different, but it didn't have the same feel. It was more a, an attraction than a, a legit fight. I just looked at it as, oh, this is a, a welterweight, an unproven welterweight going up against a middleweight mm. who's had world title opportunities. Um, but getting away from that, it was an event that everybody wanted to watch. Um, the issue that you have is, like, I agree with everything you've said for the last 20 minutes, there's no legitimate reason, even if you could give him the benefit of the doubt, there's no legit reason that he had that in the system. Okay, mm. The problem with that is what I've seen online on the different platforms, uh, YouTube, etc., is the disgusting display from Eddie Hearn the last few days trying everything he can to not have the fight cancelled. Now, if that was anyone else, if that was a Frank Warren fighter or a Lou DiBella fighter or anybody else, anyone that he's had you know, a few bad things to say here and there, he'd be doing everything to get the fight stopped. He would be doing everything. He would be, oh, I can't, can't believe the BBO of letting this happen. That's what he would be doing. Mm. Whereas, because it's his fighter, it's Conor Ben, he's not gone about it the right way. Um, I just remember watching a few of these reports the last few days on the internet and thinking, how in the name of Christ <laughs> can you actually think that this fight can go ahead? Yeah, it's like because if something was to happen, and I'm not a fan of Eubank, if something was to happen to Eubank in the ring when he's dehydrated, and like you say, the other guy's on something. Say he gets a brain bleed. Say we have another uh, Gerald McClellan situation. Yeah. What happens to boxing then? Do you know what I mean? And then every, and then it will come out after the fight. They say, oh, well, do you know that he actually uh, had a, an adverse effect uh, on, on one of his tests? And the, 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 the anti-boxer types will go right for the, the fights to, to get stalled. And before you know it, it'll be all over the front pages of the tabloids again. And there isn't going to be any boxing after that. So as much as a lot of people were looking forward to it, a lot of people up and down Britain were, you know, flying down there for the fight, get the train, booking hotels. I feel for them. I really do. But there's no conceivable way that that fight could have went ahead with everything that's been out there in the last few days. You kind of, you feel sorry for Nigel because he's been... There's been a few comments, oh, you know, how could he let his son do this knowing what had happened? He might not have even known about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's bad, but I don't know, man. I don't know what you think, but there's no... And if I was if I was the Board of Control now, 
I think you'd want a, a hefty investigation into it because if you look at what Chris Algieri said and what Chris Van Heerden had said in the last few days where Chris Van Heerden had said something along the lines of, well, I could take Earl Spence punching me for eight rounds, but I couldn't take uh, Connor Ben punching That's me for, for two. It's a great yeah, point. Well, he, I mean, I, I just remember in the, in the start of Connor Ben's career, there was the nostalgia to it because he's, he's Nigel Ben's son. And you thought, he doesn't punch anywhere near as hard as his dad does. So now, I mean, I know he's a lower weight, but if you look at the early, early fights of Nigel Ben, he was cracking guys and knocking them out, like knocking them out. Right. And all of a sudden, he's, he's turned into this, this huge puncher, and you want to give him the benefit of that. You really, really do. But the, you've, you've probably been online the last few days, Michael, and seen some of these comments from Chris Algieri saying, well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And you're like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. It, you know? there, there's, all, there's, um, it, it's going to put a cloud of suspicion over Counter Ben's recent performances. Cause I don't know if you heard Pat, when I was talking earlier, you know, he's had, yeah. he's blown these guys out recently. And, uh, I completely yeah, yeah, forgot exactly. Van Heerden was in there with Spence and, you know, Algeria was in there with some great fighters. Pacquiao knocked, Algeri down several times, but he didn't spark him out like that. Didn't know? get him back up, didn't he? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Just think to myself, like, okay, you know, it would have been a good fight to watch. It wasn't the British derby that we had with Carl Froch and George Groves, etc. It wasn't good. I don't think it was ever going to do anywhere over maybe 250, 300,000 buys uh, because zone and uh, over here is not as good as it maybe is over there just now. It's really not doing that good. I cancelled my subscription because I didn't think I was getting a whole lot for it. But you just think to yourself, like, Eddie, how can you even try and let that fight go on? Do you know what I mean? You can't let that fight go on. Can you imagine, though, if something had happened to either one of them? And it's nah, inevitable. it would have just been catastrophic. It's, it's going to happen you know at I mean? some point. Uh, Jim Lampley actually was the first to... It, it, first media person to really bring it up. But I remember years ago, he, he mentioned something uh, about that saying, listen, there's going to be an incident in boxing. It might be this year. It might be next oh, yeah. year. It might be a decade from now, but someone's going to die. And we're going to find out that the opponent was juicing, you know, and yeah. what's that I'm, might be the final nail in the coffin, honestly. Well, I mean, if you, if you go back in time to history, what was, um, what was that Panama Lewis fight? Was it Louis Resto? Resto? Yep. Is yep, that his yep, name? Yep. Yeah. Well, well. Okay. Right. The loaded gloves. And if yeah. you if you watch that documentary with him, like the remorse that he has twenty plus years later for that uh, over the whole Billy Collins situation. You know, I'm only a young guy, but you know, thanks to YouTube and that, you know, you, you see these things. And you think, right? That's that's what happened. He had to live with that, and the guy lived through the fight. Okay, I know he died in the accident afterwards but you think if you go into a ring and you've got either loaded gloves or loaded fists from steroids or whatever it is and something happens to that guy how are you going to live with yourself man that's just insane you know but uh, no that that was that was just my point for tonight michael i'll i'll keep an eye on the rest of the show my man all right um, thanks but, a lot uh, it is a shame but uh, right you take care man i'll i'll carry on listening all right okay Cheers. have a good weekend brother all right.
Yeah, uh, you guys, great comments in the chat right now. And good stuff, Pat. That was a great call, man. Uh, some great points there. Um, Toby says, uh, Cal Sarland is equally to blame. Why are people just blaming Eddie? And why the BBBFC know about it and be okay about it? Yeah, listen, I, I think this is going to be a case that we're going to be discussing for a while as more and more comes out. This, there's obviously more to this story. And this is a great opportunity for some UK boxing journalists, maybe one of the younger guys, to really break out and make a name for themselves because the, the big names over there, a couple of you guys have mentioned the names here in the chat. I don't want to call any of these guys out, but uh, they don't seem to be particularly interested in really digging into this and really finding out just how far this goes. But um, some of you younger guys, you have an opportunity here. Um, you younger guys over in the UK, if you're trying to really break in, man, do some digging, find out who knew for how long, um, who was told about the results. Just start doing some digging. People will talk, you know, you're going to have to do it behind the scenes. You're going to have to be you know, slick about it, but there's obviously a systemic failure here. I, I will say this in the end. Okay. It took some time. But in the end, the event was postponed. Now, it hasn't 100% been uh, knocked out. As far as I understand it, it's just postponed. I put canceled in the uh, headline of, of, of this video kind of to troll, but also because they haven't given a, a new date yet, a new venue, nothing like that. And it's an ongoing situation. And it wouldn't surprise me if ultimately it does get canceled and they, they do it later on. Uh, but. There's opportunities here, man, because there, there's more to this story. There were a lot of parties involved, and it just seemed that they were hell-bent on finding a way to go forward with this fight. And it, look, the excuses of wild boar that Fury gave, the excuses, uh, excuses of tainted uh, beef that Canelo gave, and there's been a million excuses. Although I don't believe it, there have been cases that, um, you know, clenbuterol was found in tainted meat, okay? Uh, do I buy that that happened with Canelo, who's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire and eating at the finest restaurants in Mexico, and I, I, his trainer's a butcher, you know? Like, no, I don't believe that. But at least the excuse, at least, like, in the realm of possibility, you could entertain it. But this particular drug, that this fertility drug that was in Ben's system, there's zero rationale why it should be there. You can't blame food. You can't say, oh, I accidentally grabbed this pill and took it. it you have to order this drug. It comes in pill form and, and take the pills. Like, like it, it's, it's so obvious that there's something going on, right? It, it, we'll never know exactly what he was taking and cycling off of and using this fertility drug to help in that process. We'll never know exactly what that was, but there's something going on. And if somebody can get to the bottom of this and give us some information, um, they'd really make a name for themselves. They truly would. <clears throat> James Hunt says the sample was collected on September 1st. Results came back on September 23rd. Those are the facts. Okay. So, um, and yeah, I, I, I can't remember the exact dates, but those seem to be the dates I remember seeing uh, reported out there. 
So if that's the case, okay, it is now, well, today's October 7. So uh, obviously we're a couple weeks removed from when the results came back. And VADA, again, it, they're going to send the adverse finding results directly to the people that hire them. That is their, um, their duty, okay? Beyond that, it is not their place to say anything else. Um, however, it, it also, guys, each contract is different. So, and I've talked about PBC and I don't like what they do because they have this kind of hush clause with VADA. They say, don't even announce that we're doing drug testing. We don't even want people to know we're doing VADA testing. Like, I don't like some of the shadiness around that. But VADA, what they do is simply, they look at it like, okay, you're volunteering to do this. We'll go with what you want. If we find an adverse finding, we're going to report it to you. That's what we do. Um, it would be cool if VADA could just tell the media and stuff, but that's not their role. It is the role of the, the commissions, the promotion, managers, advisors, the media, once they learn about this stuff, sanctioning organizations, etc. The powers that be in boxing, it is their duty to take those results and be transparent about it with the media and the fans and do the right thing. And it seems here that there is an attempt at least based upon what we know, this is all preliminary. It's conjecture. We don't know all the, the facts of the situation yet, but if the sample was collected September 1st, the results came back September 23rd, it wasn't reported to the media until this week. That's a couple weeks. So what was going on for those two weeks? Who knew? Did Eubanks team even know? Did the BBBFC even know? Did this the, the organization that was sanctioning the bout, did they know? Did anybody at the network know? Those are the questions I want answered. And again, that's why I will say there, there are opportunities for some of you guys over in the UK. I, I, I specifically call out the UK media here because you guys are right there, right? Uh, you, you can't rely on the powers that be here in America or anywhere else to do some digging into this. This is a strictly UK promotion. So some of you guys over there, get off your ass and start digging, man, and find out what happened in those two weeks. What happened between September 23rd when the results came back and this week when we all, all of us finally found out about it, who knew that's what I want to know. Um, th this, this is very reminiscent to me of the IV gate thing with Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, their fight, because there were a lot of things that transpired there that were straight up illegal and Pacquiao's team was not even made aware of it. They didn't even know. I believe the promotion, well, that side of the promotion didn't even know. The commission, I'm not sure if they knew at first. I think eventually they knew, but um, they weren't immediately notified. There were a lot of things that happened between Floyd's IV and then the fight. And it was only, you know, what, 36 hours or something like that, that uh, were really fucked up, really fucked up. And only one reporter really dug in and learned about it. And that was Thomas Hauser. He did a massive, massive article, you know, just detailing all of that. And then he also talked about USADA's general shady history with Floyd Mayweather and particularly Al Heyman. Heyman and PBC, this is before I think it was even PBC, but it may have been PBC. 
But because uh, you guys, you, a lot of you younger guys don't realize Heyman's been involved in boxing for a long time. It's not just PBC. Okay. So when I say PBC, I mean Al Heyman. Just put it to you that way. But they, for some of the first car, uh, when Vada was around, some, some of the first cards that they did testing for were Al Heyman cards, but they popped several guys and Heyman and them stopped using them. Um, so anyway, if you haven't ever looked up that article that Thomas Hauser wrote, check it out for some of you younger guys who are interested. Um, Cause I think there's some of that going on here where people just didn't know. And the communication was not right. Some shadiness going on. I'd love for somebody to uh, dig into this, man. I can't do it. My wife's having given birth in a couple of weeks, guys. <clears throat> James Hunt adds, uh, the BBB of C found out on September 23rd, 24-hour max. Okay. Um, oh, you're right. Because, because okay, so if Vada got the results back, they would have reported that to the BBFC because that was the commission involved in the fight. So when I say Vada reports to the parties involved, the parties that um, hired them, that would include like the commission. Um, I think the sanctioning organization would know, like everyone should know in that case. What I don't know is if they would uh, report directly back to the fighters themselves. It may have just gone to the promotion. Um, so I don't know. That's the kind of like details that, um, I'd love to see people find out. Michael Mendiola. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it says Michelle Joy Phelps is on the case. Oh man. I'm leaving that alone, leaving it alone. Uh, Michael D'Souza said, uh, Thomas Hauser also broke the white versus Rivas Vada test. Yeah, man. He's got good sources and he's a true investigative reporter. That guy. <clears throat> Gavin's ghost says the inmates were running the asylum behind the scenes on this one, Mike. Yeah, it sure seems that way. Sure seems that way. Faux show. All right. Um, real quick. Sebastian Fundora. I want to talk about this. Um, by the way, guys, uh, for those of you just getting on the chat, ProBox has a show tonight. Uh, from Florida. So check that out. Showtime has a show tomorrow from California. And then there's a card in Australia, uh, Eggington. Sam Eggington is headlining a card over there uh, Saturday. So there is some boxing to talk about, right? But the biggest, I mean, the news this week, of course, is Connor Ben and Chris Eubank. But um, I want to talk real briefly about Sebastian Fandora. I interviewed him recently. If you haven't seen the interview yet, look it up on my channel. And where we talk about his fight with Carlos Ocampo, I do think it's going to be harder than people think. A lot of people remember Ocampo fighting against Errol Spence. It was one round. Spence absolutely blew him out. The kid really wasn't ready for a fight like that. And this fight will be a little different. I do think he'll go a few rounds. Do I think it gets past the middle rounds? No, I don't. Some people are like, uh, you know, Fendura, this is a soft touch, you know, this, that, the other. Listen, he's just a kid. He's, what, 24 years old? I applaud him for staying busy. If he gets right back in the ring again, early next year, January, February, something like that. Um, good for him. I, I applaud that he's not sitting around waiting. The, the fight on that card I'm really looking forward to is uh, Mean Machine by the Michael Fox. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. So that's a solid card. Also wanted to share this with you guys. Um, I posted a poll. You know, I love my polls. On my Twitter, and I asked, what is the biggest potential fight in boxing that could be made right 
now? And then I said, if I missed one, please tell me. And I, I specifically hashtag Spence Crawford and Fury Joshua, because those are the two that have been really dominating the Twitter space, right? I was very surprised. About a thousand of you voted and 45% of you said Spence versus Crawford. I was really surprised at that. I actually expected less. I got to be honest. Fury versus Joshua came in about 21%. Fury versus Usyk, about 24%. And Davis versus Garcia, I was surprised at this one. Only 10%. I was surprised because I thought a lot of young heads would um, jump on that and that would be higher. So I, I got to admit, I was somewhat somewhat surprised by these results. What it does show is there truly is demand for Spence versus Crawford. There really is demand. And there's been so much talk about it in the boxing media this summer. And now we're in the fall, right? We're going into the fall. But all summer long, we kept hearing, oh, this fight's done. Oh, this fight's done, right? The typical, uh, you know, please click my story, those motherfuckers, every other week. It's done. So it's been on boxing fans' minds. And it has been for years, but it's really been in their minds this year because the fight has been makeable. There have been zero hurdles, zero. We now know that PBC is making things very difficult for Spence and he's not getting the transparency that he wants. He He's not getting the money he wants. He's accepted less. Now he just wants transparency. We'll find out what happens. I truly don't think it's happening this year. But this poll that I posted shows that despite all the frustration, people still want that fight. And, it, and, and PBC better figure this shit out. And even if the fight, let's say the fight doesn't take place until next March, announce it now. Get it done now, October, November, and announce it now because there's still demand for the fight. But if they do what they normally do, and they let's say it's for March 29th, I'm just pulling out a date. I don't even know what freaking date. Uh, if that's a Saturday or not, but I'm just saying the last Saturday in March, let's, let's call it March 31st. And they announced this shit February 2nd. That is not the way you're supposed to do this. I don't give a shit if the fight takes place in March or April next year. Announce this shit this year. Announce it six months ahead of time so that fans can continue debating this shit. And instead of debating a side, B side, per split, pay-per-view upset, all this bullshit that they've been arguing over for the last fucking year. And then before that, they were arguing about the WBO doesn't really exist and it's Grandpa Bob's fault because he's evil. All this stuff. Just the idiocy that people have been arguing about. Okay, you got your free promotion, PBC. You got them arguing about all that. You got your friends in the media to drop you a dime every now and then and post a story saying, oh, this shit's close to being done so you guys can stay relevant. I get all the tricks and the promotional stuff you guys do. I get it, man. I don't like it, but I get it. That's pretty much used up now. If you announce this shit in the next month or so, even again, even if it doesn't take place until March, April of next year, now what fans can argue about for the next six months and further build up demand is who wins the fucking fight, which is what they should be arguing about. So if you do this right, you really can't turn this into a big promotion. And I swear to freaking God, 
if you don't announce this shit until eight, nine, ten weeks out, it's going to be just like every other fucking pay-per-view you've put on in the past couple years. Seriously, it ain't going to crack half a mil. It ain't. In a fight this good, even in this era, these guys are not stars. They're not. Spence's biggest pay-per-view is about 300,000, 350, and he wasn't the guy selling the pay-per-view, right? It's and, uh, Crawford hasn't done anywhere near that. These two guys, though, combined, this fight should at least do half a mil. If you do it the right way, you can get there. My poll, it's just a small little sample, but it shows, dude, people still want it. So do this shit right. But I don't know if it'll happen. Anyway, just wanted to show that to you guys and have a little rant about it. All right. So I don't see any calls, guys. Um, I don't see any more calls here. <sighs> I'm going to drop off. If I don't get a call in the next 60 seconds, we out. Um, <laughs> I love this. King Dale Clark says, whose farts would you guys rather smell? That is a great question. Roe Nose says, uh, Leonard Ellerby is boxing's Twitter swindler. That's a great fucking comment. On that note, we out. Guys, have a great week. Oh, wait. <laughs> as soon as I do that, five fucking calls hit. All right. You guys see, I, I just fainted and you guys bit on that faint. You see that shit? All right. Let's take some quick calls. We'll take some quick calls. All right. We ain't going to stay on the phone long. We'll take some quick ones. Let's go to, uh, 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 come on. What the hell is going on? There we go. 631. What's up? 631. Mike, it's your uh, favorite uh, person Italian pineapple teaching evening guy from West Coast. How are you, Keith? Good. How you doing, man? I'm good. I was actually, I was on the East Coast for about 10 days, tried to catch you. Uh, so, yeah, I bit on the fade. I was just, uh, every time I called, we just, it was too late, All ironically. Right. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to call say hi. Um, share my thoughts on obviously the postpone or canceled fight this weekend. Steve Kim made a really good point. Um, the just the, the punishment should be a lot more severe that way. Guys yeah. actually second guess cheating before. I the, saw that he, he said it, it should be, because, he said it should be three years. And yeah, that was a great comment. Yeah, 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 it was three years. And, um, the problem is um, someone needs to create some kind of standard uh, texting body, whether it's Bada, Usada, obviously Bada is obviously probably the best. And that way people all have to, fighters all have to adhere to those standards. Um, and there isn't really any backdoor shadiness going on with what, what's going with what looked like what's happening now and what's happened in the past with American promoters as well, too. And uh, you brought up a point I knew about it. I totally forgot about um, the, the CIV bag that fully got for the Pacquiao fight as well, too, which is, uh, which is shady so yeah <clears throat> but that was a good point um also wanted to share my thoughts on um i did i saw the replays i didn't get to watch it yet the um george joyce parker fight um that was a very it was a, another come out performance for joe joyce and i i think at this point he's a obviously as we know he's he's probably a nightmare for any of the top guys um i actually like that fight for joshua just because that's a really good mental rebuilding fight for Joshua. If Joshua really wants to kind of set the horse right, get back on that saddle, he probably needs to 
he, he needs to one, take his training camp outside of the comfort of his home in, in the UK and really go to like, you know, go to California and fight with Araza or go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but that's a really good opponent for him as well too, because Joe Joyce is not going anywhere. There. He's, he's there to be hit and he has a, he has a very good chin, but I mean, if you notice in the Daniel Dubois fights, he knows how to ride punches very, very well, uh, where he takes the, he takes the power off of them. Um, I, I like that fight. Obviously, it'll be exciting, but it'll be a one. It'll be a great, you know, development fight. Or they're not both of those guys are past that stage, but I mean, I think you know what I mean. It'll be it'll the experience will make them much better coming yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. As well, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, I agree. I completely um, agree. And I don't know you. I know you don't want to hear about, it, but I haven't had a haven't called and haven't had a chance to call in a while. Uh, my reaction to the Canelo Golovkin fight is Golovkin is just too old to pull the trigger. I don't think he kind of. I don't think he threw the fight. He was just way too old, and it would have been actually almost justice if he date if he had one, two or three more rounds, and they gave him the decision. That would have been great. But uh, um, that those are my that's my thought on that. And as far as Fury Joshua, I was actually considering going to that fight, but Fury plays games, and it just. It, the fight is on the luster, obviously, because it's not for the undisputed championship. Um, do you think that Joshua and I'm um, sorry, Usyk and Fury fight next year? I I tend to believe so. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be optimistic, and I just think that at some point Fury's um, ego will will play a part in making that fight happen because it would be for undisputed and he would have so many advantages. I mean, he really has every advantage going into that fight. There's just no reason not to do it. Mm-hmm. If if it yeah, doesn't I happen, dude, doing. that's a really bad look for Fury. Really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Fury calls himself a fighting man. And I think there is some kind of – he does uh, – Contain or uphold some kind of pride. Yeah. Uh, so I think he is going to fight Usyk. I hope it happens next year. And and I also say that too. Fury has some kind of pride. Is that Deontay Wilder's still like right? like essence or last time I checked, he's still spewing that BS about you know Fury cheating. And Fury hasn't taken him to court or anything like that or sued him for any kind of libel or libel. Um, I mean, he has his own legal predicament too. But I mean, I feel like most people will because those are serious accusations as well. And the fact that Fury doesn't do that. So he doesn't really care, and he 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 did he showed who was the better man in the ring as well. Mm. So, all right, well, I'll let you go. Great work as always, um, and again, congratulations on your daughter that's coming and coming very soon. And I'll I'll continue to listen. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good weekend, brother. You too, Later, man. All right. all right, let's uh, let's keep the party going. Let's get to the next one here. We got Tony from LA. I think, Tony, what's up, man? Do you got do you got a bunch of WBA what's shit for me today? <laughs> today, well, yeah, but that's a whole different thing altogether. Ah, uh, I wanted to talk to you about the uh, what's Ring going to do about Ben and the rating? Wow, uh, that's a great question. Um, he, he should be dropped. You know, I, I think <laughs> I he know. should be dropped. That's it. There's, there's there should be no exception to that. Right, that's what I think. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, other thing is, you guys can't drop Stevenson completely from the listing. Or you got to drop Garcia. What, Shakur Stevenson? Yeah. 
From what list? Uh, what is he? Super Feather? Or 130. Was he dropped? Interesting. Well, he's the belt vacated because he didn't make weight. But oh, he's well, not in the listing. Yeah, I mean, if, if he's not making weight, dude, then yeah. Uh, the, Garcia. <laughs> if you're going to do that to Stevenson, you got to do it to Garcia. That's a great point. Because Garcia, well, wait a second. Did Garcia make weight for his last fight? No. <laughs> he caught a catch weight in the first one and 140 in the other one. Well, yeah, but it's not because he missed weight. It's because they negotiated a catch weight. But I agree with you. Um, so there's a difference. If you miss weight, that's not the same as negotiating. And he fought at 140 on the next. He did. He against Fortuna. And apparently yeah. it was Fortuna who wanted that weight, not Garcia. Apparently it was Fortuna who said, hey, can we do this at 140? And Garcia said, sure. And uh, But he he says that he wants to com- campaign at lightweight. And um, the <laughs> you only guys thing have to is, talk about it. This is complicated. Yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous. And the one thing I would say though is it's been going on two years since he actually has fought at lightweight. So at some point, if he doesn't exactly. have a lightweight fight, <laughs> he will be stripped or he will be removed. Okay, okay. So you guys talk about that one. The main one that I'm calling about is the Golovkin Hagler comparison. I'm just going to say this, that Hagler would never give us a fight at 40 or any of that age that he's not in his prime because he retired. Because Sugar Ray Leonard retired on his ass for the rematch. So uh, you can't make that comparison. But I want to ask you a question for middleweights. Who do you think Golovkin beats? We're going to go down the list of the top ones. Okay. Should Simmons, Ketchell, Langford, Flowers, Armstrong, Robinson, Burley, and then I'll throw in all four kings. That's 11. Holy shit. Uh, wow. Um, we're talking prime for prime. I think he has a chance. Yeah, whatever. I mean, on okay. record alone, it's it's going to be a great, a weird debate. But prime for prime, I'm thinking right now is the best one to talk about because I, I'm not a fan of Golovkin, but I'll, in fairness, he wins. He has two close fights, maybe three close fights that he can win, and he loses the rest. For me, what do you think? I would give him a good chance of winning about half of those fights. Here's what I will tell you. Okay. I'd have to like really sit down and look at that list and think about styles to, to really give you a good answer. I'd have to think about that shit for, for a fucking hour, honestly, because that's a big list. And you're, you're <laughs> talking about time, dudes yeah. spanning like decades. Okay. It's not just going back 20 years or something. The entire history of the metal Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. I mean, you're going back a century, time. you know? So, so, um, I would say, Here's the one thing I would say with absolute confidence. Golovkin goes to distance in every one of those fights. None of those guys stop him. And that would be controversial to say in some people's minds. But I, no, dude's never no been way. hurt. No. 
Fitzsimmons. You think Fitzsimmons Bob would stop Golovkin? Bob Fitzsimmons, middleweight champ, heavyweight champ, light heavyweight champ. Right, but in an era where heavyweights were 180 pounds, I mean, it's not comparable to today. No, we're 200 pound guys. I mean, yeah, Corbett wasn't but... light. I mean, Jeffrey wasn't light. Much different era, dude. Much different era. You just cannot compare. You're different talking... styles. I'll I'll give you that. Okay. Dude, and Fitzsimmons then you're, you're was saying, born. Um... Fitzsimmons was born in 1863. He does not knock out <laughs> Gennady Golovkin. No, he he doesn't. He doesn't. He, he, okay. He punched hard as hell <laughs> for that era. Okay. He punched hard as dude. He retired in 1914. Okay. I, okay. I don't want to be one of those guys that says all athletes now are better than athletes of yesteryear. I'm not one of those guys, but Golovkin, oh, okay. would, Golovkin if you took Golovkin and put him back a hundred years and he fought back then in uh -huh. 1914, Golovkin could have fought heavyweights back then in the body that he's in. No, no, no. When we're talking prime versus prime, like they would have the benefits of whatever era that they're in. You know what I mean? Like okay. if you could get some Simmons to have the cushy lifestyle of training, and you know what I mean, but that's a whole different debate altogether. Well, then, yeah, I, I are, are we taking Fitzsimmons? The... Are we taking Fitzsimmons and shipping him to 2022, or are we taking Golovkin and shipping yeah. him back to the 1910s? You know, like which way is it we'll going? We'll take it to 2022. I prefer to be recent. Okay, I so don't, I don't if, think Golovkin fights that style. If Fitzsimmons was fighting now, he would have had fights at welterweight, dude. I know that sounds insane to you, mm -hmm. dude. With actually, Fitzsimmons did have have one fight at one forty. Was always one sixty. No, Fitzsimmons no, pro debut. Fitzsimmons had fights at one, I two know. fights at one forty eight. Yeah, he had several fights. He would have fought in this era. He would have been a prospect at one forty. I know this sounds nuts. Maybe one forty seven, and then moved up. And he would have won with no higher than middleweight. Maybe super middleweight in this era. 160 is still 160, right? And 160 has always been middleweight. Yes, but you're weighing in so, 36 hours before a fight now, and you have way different nutrition. It, it's training camp is completely different. Guys are fighting twice a year instead of 20 times a year. Um, that's why I'm doing the heavyweight that he and all I'm saying, Tony, all I'm, I, if you want to say Fitzsimmons okay. beats Golovkin, I won't argue with you. I just don't think he stops. Okay. Him. I think Golovkin goes the distance. I, I don't think that I'm not going to sit here and break down who wins. Most, huh? Okay. The most important one is Tiger Flout. You think that that will go the distance? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. That's all I wanted to know. Uh, the Meme Machine fight with Fox is free on YouTube as well. Uh, nice. Have a good weekend. There's other calls. This is way too long. <laughs> right, thanks a lot, Tony. I appreciate it, man. Have a good weekend, brother. <laughs> Peace. What? Yeah, look, I know my, my opinion is going to be controversial, guys, but here's the thing with Golovkin. I know a lot, of, a lot of people don't like Golovkin, and I'm not even saying he'd beat half of those guys from Tony's list. Um I just think that given everything we know about him, 
I think he would absolutely go the distance and be competitive. Uh, let's not forget Fitzsimmons was stopped multiple times in his career for sticking with Fitzsimmons. But you're talking about a guy that was born in the 1860s. Yeah, he fought at heavy. He had fights at light heavyweight and stuff like that. But dude, you're talking a century ago, right? It's hard to compare that to now. Um, Michael Mendiola in the chat. He says, I'll say it, Mike. Athletes today are better in almost every sport. 1972 Dolphins would probably barely beat uh, Maitre D High School. Their O-line was like 250 pounds with beer bellies. <laughs> Toby adds, uh, Fitzsimmons was on PEDs. <laughs> I love it. Um, Billy Falco says, absolutely. Yeah, he agrees. Yeah, I, I look. It's a little bit different in boxing and martial arts because these guys are not just athletes. They're fighters. They're martial artists and athletes. Um, so there's a different wrinkle to it than just football players. But if you take like baseball, football, soccer, all I completely agree. The athletes just get better. I, in general, and by the way, I'm not alone in this opinion. Uh, I do think that athletes today, including boxers and other martial artists, are better than before doesn't necessarily mean I'd pick them to win against fighters from before though, because again, in boxing, there are other elements to it. Um, the guys before weren't as athletic, but they were way more battle tested. They fought more. They didn't have eight week camps. Sometimes camp was two weeks because they had just fought four weeks ago. They take a few days off, jump back in, spar for a couple of weeks, get right back in the fucking ring. So these guys were fighting all year round. In fact, they might fight a dozen times a year. Four or five of those fights were basically like exhibitions. Uh, think of them almost as like the way a lot of people approach amateur fights, where truly an amateur fight is a practice fight. An exhibition is a practice fight, right? It's not the same as a championship high-level fight. So that it was just a completely different era, completely different. But I do like I have spoken with old school trainers that have worked with guys going back 50, 60 years and still work with kids today. And I've asked them about this, and they say, dude, hands down, the kids now are more athletic and they're sharper. The guys before, though, were way fucking tougher. That's the difference. And in boxing, toughness, grit, determination, that shit goes a long way. So some of these, quote unquote, I'm going to use quotes, limited brawlers from yesteryear may not look as impressive and stylistic as some of the fighters now, but they sure could whoop some ass, right? So a fighter like Rocky Marciano, he gets dissed a lot. First of all, he had underrated athleticism and was pretty fucking light on his feet if, if you actually watch him train not just fight but actually watch him train and i've spoken with people who are around him in camp and they'll tell you that he was kind of light on his feet and could dance a little he didn't fight like that though but uh, a guy like that oh he's just a crude brawler blah blah there's something to be said for the tenacity and toughness and grit he brought that 12 rounds of that shit but used to be 15 rounds but still now 12 rounds of that shit you might be able to beat that guy first six, seven, eight rounds, but he keeps rolling downhill. That's kind of like what Joe Joyce does. Joe Joyce is maybe the closest. I think I've said this before. He's like the closest thing to that old school Rocky Marciano type of fighter that just kind of, not that they fight the same way, guys. I'm just saying 
the relentless pressure and rolling downhill and dudes unbreakable. Um, it's the closest thing that we to that that we have right now. And I think that's why fans are kind of drawn to him and it's why his fights are so fun. Anyway, uh, super chat from Tommy Boyle. Thank you so much, Tommy. He says 130 Stevenson versus Cordina, 135 Haney versus Davis, 147 Spence versus Crawford, 154 Jermel versus Fendora, 160 Jermall versus Golovkin, 168 Benavides Canelo, 175 Bivol versus Beterbiev, 200 Makabu versus Okoli, 200 plus Joyce or Usyk versus Fury. Dude. Sign me up for every single one of those fights. You know what sucks, though, Tommy? We might get two of those next year. Honestly, I'm looking at this list. You know, oh, you know what? Wait a second. We might get three. We might get three or four of them. We might get three or four of them. If we got three or four of them in 2023, that would be considered a great year in boxing. All right. Um. Let's see. Am I caught up in super chats? No, I'm not. Will, thank you so much. Will, he said, Will, the degenerate boxing fan, Lynch. Thank you. He says, look at the original glove champion, Jim Corbett. Went 27 rounds with a man who wore driving gloves instead of boxing gloves. Those dudes were built a little different. I got to say, the only thing um, with a guy like Corbett is size, or not size, I'm sorry, speed. Um, you know, you can box around a guy like that. These athletes now could box around a guy like that. But once that dude connects, you know, that changes things. That changes things. <clears throat> okay. Oh, looks oh, I think we got Canada on the line. Let's jump to this real quick. I think we got Chad. Chad, are you there? Hey Mike. Hey Mike. How yeah, hey Mike, how are you? Good, man. It's good to hear you. Yeah, thanks, bro. Um, thought I'd call quick. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to just bounce back a little back to the Stevenson fight just because, uh, I don't know, I don't feel like anybody really hit on how I saw it. Like, Stevenson, to me, looked uh, frustrated. It was a kind of a new look for Stevenson. Like, he looked frustrated at different points. Um I thought Conte Cal uh, timed him really well and, like, put the glove, like, right in his face a few times, like, square in the face. No power, mind you. But, I mean, it was kind of a different side. I mean, just seeing some vulnerability, I guess, from Stevenson, where uh, every fight till now, she's looked so dominant. Um, I'm just kind of wondering, Mike, like, what do you think? Because 135 is already such a, let's face it, it's a shit show. You know, like, all these guys, the top guys, it's been years now of everyone wanting, you know, some elite fights with all these top contenders and they just don't happen. So Shakur going to 135, I'm excited about it and I like the potential, but don't you think he just gets parked with Garcia, Tank, all these other guys in in terms of making the fights we actually want to see? But like, yeah, who does top rank have at 35? Um Top Rank and Golden Boy, because they kind of do business together. So, so look, they do have Haney. So I, I do think it's possible. They got Loma, of course. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, Sorry, they got Loma, of course. Who? Loma. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that's definitely going to happen at some point. 
it's just a question for that. I think they're going to do Stevenson against Loma before they would do Haney versus Loma. But yeah, there's options, dude. If we get um, if we get Stevenson fighting Loma, and then we could get him in there with eventually with Haney, um, and then Ryan oh, Garcia gets amazing. in that mix. Because Ryan Garcia's with Golden Boy, top ranks works well with Golden Boy. The one guy that's going to continue to sit out is going to be Javante Davis. Yeah, I get that. But Mike, I mean, I love the, what you described there, but you really see that actually being able to come to fruition, like from the business point of view too. Like you see that all really coming together because I just feel like that's what 135 kind of been just a lot of like almost fights and talking and, but we never actually get those big fights. Yeah, there's there's a lot of guys really trying to protect their O, no matter what. Trying to protect no doubt. their O. No doubt. Yeah. Um, it's, um, but top, top rank does division. not baby their guys, dude. Top rank will, if they still got Haney and they still got Stevenson and Loma, they're going to build them up with Loma. They're going to use Loma to build their name a little bit, but they're eventually going to match those guys, I'm telling you. No, listen, I, I want to be fair. Like, I'm not saying, like, there's been some great fights, you know, and I'm not saying I haven't enjoyed fights at 135, but I, you know, I'm, I'm just talking in terms of getting all these guys in together in in a in a like four horsemen kind of way, you know. Yeah. You got your top four guys, and they're going at each other because I mean they sure talk it, you know. We yeah. just never get any action. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you're you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that, unfortunately. No, no, of course not. But I mean, I don't know any any uh, variation of that. I'll I'll take it. I'll tell you that. But I like the fight you described, man. That would be amazing if those happened. Yeah, I think there's a real anyway, possibility. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's kind of all I wanted to say, Mike. Maybe take some other calls now, man. Thanks for taking my call, brother. All right, thanks a lot, Chad. Have a good weekend, bro. Okay, bye. All right. Okay, bye. There he goes. Uh, Tommy says, look up Nicolino Locke. The cornerman gave him a couple of puffs of a cigarette while in the corner. That's proper old school. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. You guys are going to have me thinking about this Bob Fitzsimmons thing all night because Bob Fitzsimmons did stop some some big guys, man. I, I, I he, he's, he stopped a, a young Jack Johnson. Um, I, I, he did stop Jeffries. James Jeffries, Sharky. Oh no, Sharky was DQ. Um, I don't know, man. I just listen. I, I've I've never seen Golovkin's chin dented. I, I just think he'd go the distance with, with Simmons. Anyway, back to the let's take a couple more quick ones. Couple more quick ones, and then we're out. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's hear from Luis. Luis, what's up, bro? What's going on, Mike? Chilling, man. Chilling. So, so uh, about the card tomorrow, um, I heard that you saying you was interested in Kowalowskis uh, and Fox fight. But you know which one I'm like really out of the whole card? I like the card overall. I agree with you. Pretty good card. But um, I'm looking forward to the rematch of Kakas uh, and uh, Martinez. You know, Kakas had uh, that long streak of defending that belt. And, yeah. you know, he was a pretty active champion, too. And and you know this this, this this you know this Argentinian we always seem to get them every blue moon and then when they come out they come out you know balls to the wall and uh, you know coincidentally he's a uh, Maidana uh, guy uh, he's under his promotion or whatnot uh, I want to hear your take on it on that fight and the breakdown as far as how you think it's going to play out because me real quick I just think that Encajas kind of didn't have no film on him no history 
kind of took a little lightly, you know, just like nice fit the fence. So he's like, you know, thinking it's going to be a routine walk in the park. And, you know, he got his game woke up. The kid came to fight. So I'm looking forward to that one. What do you think about the fight? Yeah, man, it's hard to know what to expect from Ancajas because when he first burst onto the scene with that IBF belt, I was really excited about him. And, you know, he was part of that. He's part of that 115 division that's really, really strong. But he caught his title run to me hasn't been that impressive, bro. All, all these other guys at 115 have been fighting each other, right? And they got some wins and losses, whatever, but they're fighting each other. And Ancajas has kind of been doing his own thing. Um, he's been fighting in America, which is cool. He's been fighting in California a lot, which is smart. But um, the fight against Martinez, it's not like that was like a super close fight. Martinez won like nine or ten rounds, dude. And um, don't I mean, don't you think that's what the judges had? I mean, it, it, that was a fairly one-sided fight. I remember watching it. I, I can't forget what uh, undercard it was, but I've been following Kajas for a while. Like, I'm a, a, you know, degenerate. I watch all weight classes. So, right, right. Uh, I was looking at when, I, when the guy was, when the Martinez came out of nowhere, I'm like, okay, little guy, Argentina. You know, I started thinking about uh, Diego Chavez and, you know, all the other uh, past guys who, you know, come to fight when they, you know, show up on the uh, mainstream. And I, I had it 8-4, I think. I yeah, 8-4, okay. Was, was about right. Yeah, yeah, I had I had him losing, uh, and Kyle's losing, but I, I kind of think you know he's gonna get up for this one. You know, he wants the title back, and kind of like what you said too, he was kind of like the the one guy at the 115 class that wasn't really you know like unifications. He was kind of content with fighting, you know, and in, in uh, you know main events in lower lower bar level type fights. But I think he's gonna get up for this one. And I'm really really intrigued about this one. Honestly, I think this could be like a sleeper to uh, fight of the night type. Yeah, you know what? I, I didn't think about it that way, but you're absolutely right. I, I think it, it could be one of those fights that like steals the show. I do think obviously Ancajas is going to do better. It's going to be closer, but I'm going to pick Martinez again. I think he's going to win this again. It right. might be more like a 115, 113, but um, I think he's going to come back just as hungry, bro. And I think he's going to win this fight again, man. Okay, okay. Well, I'll be definitely looking looking uh, for that and then see how you. Um prediction comes out i, I kind of don't know what to, i'm on the fence i don't know i i'm, I'm i think it's I you, i'm just hoping it goes down to like you said maybe 115 113 will be lovely uh you know a type fight yeah and real quick before i get up out of here i just want to hear your um opinion on keith thurman because you know it's been a lot of bullshit about him you know like basically pricing himself out and you know not doing this and not a gatekeeper but it, it, it you know a boxer's worst enemy is inactivity and the guys basically since he got married, he ain't been doing nothing but playing that damn flute, you know? <laughs> that shit been playing that flute, though, man. That shit is the funniest. There's so many damn memes of that, bro. Like, that shit was hilarious. Uh, look, Keith Thurman fought once in 2016, once in 2018, no times in 2018. He did fight twice in 2019, but one was an L. One was like a close fight, and then one was an L. Did not fight in 2020 or 2021. Fought this year against Mario Barrios. Okay. And what wasn't that pay-per-view? I want to say that shit was yep. pay per Yeah, God damn. That was pay-per-view. Wow. Dog, he, he at this point, I don't know if I'm gonna call him a gatekeeper, but he doesn't beat Spence. He doesn't beat um, 
Crawford. He doesn't beat Boots. I don't think he beats Virgil. I don't know if he beats Stanley Onis, bro. I don't think he does. I, I think he can beat the lower top 10 maybe, but he's he's kind of turned into a gatekeeper, and it's on him, dude. He got pussy whipped. Good for him. You know, he got married, and um, but that's what it is. Let's be honest. Let's just call it what yeah, it is, definitely. man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, Mike, you have a good weekend, man. Appreciate your time, bro. You too, brother. All right, let's do we're, guys. We're gonna do one more call because we're running up at almost about ninety minutes, and uh, I have a hungry wife. She's gonna start yelling at me if I don't wrap this up soon. I know she wants to get dinner. So, um, by the way, I have <clears throat> I have daddy boot camp tomorrow at the hospital. I have like a three hour class. I have to. It's I've taken several classes. Me and the wife have gone to several classes, but tomorrow is my own class. I go to daddy boot camp. So I'm not working out tomorrow. Uh, me and the guys are going to meet at the boxing gym and do some sparring and shit. We might end up doing it Sunday. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to the boxing gym tomorrow. I'll be going to daddy boot camp. So, anyway, I just I, I think that's funny, man. Just thinking of boot camp. All right, let's get Nacho's call. Then we'll get out of here, guys. Nacho, what's up, bro? Nacho. Nacho, you there? I know that's you, 805. Nacho, what's up? Hello? Yeah. Hello? Okay, I hear you now. Hello? Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that, Mike. I just wanted to bring up uh, whoever came up with that uh, Connor Ben meme of him looking like uh, Thanos was fucking hilarious. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I never pictured that dude looking like that. That was, that was just comedy. Um, Just really quick on that whole situation. I personally did not think they were going to cancel the fight. I thought... Somehow, some way, Eddie was going to figure out a way to keep the fight going. But to be honest, I don't have a problem with the fight being canceled because the fight was just a money grab to me, Mike. Mm -hmm. Neither guy is challenging in their division for a title right now. It, it's just, you know, it's kind of a, it's just a money grab. So to me, I don't have an issue with it being canceled. Now, could it be rescheduled in the future? I, I could see it being rescheduled. But at this point, the fight doesn't make sense for either guy because neither guy is moving up in their division with a win, you know? It's just a way to, to make some money off of their uh, father's legacy. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm not really all that sad to not see it happen, but it would have been interesting if it had been, if it did happen, uh, considering that Ben was out here juicing. So yeah. it would have been kind of interesting to see what would have happened. Um, with the... With the uh, Showtime card, I agree with you, Mike. I think the most intriguing fight is that Fox Mean Machine. I just I'm curious to see what Mean Machine is going to look like at 54, because I I just think Fox is being uh, groomed to be like the next guy for Fundora, because it seems like uh, Uncle Al's going out of his way to not put any of his top uh, 54 pounders in there with Fundora, and I think a lot of these guys probably had an eye-opening uh, experience once they saw how Fundora chopped up uh, Erickson Lubin because yeah. a lot of people didn't think he was going to do that to Lubin, and I think these guys took notice of that, and I don't think these guys want any anything to do with uh, Fundora. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with uh, Fundora after this fight. I wouldn't be surprised if Fox is the next guy, um, you know, for sure, if he's lined up as the next opponent 
um, regarding that. Um, what if and Mean then, Machine wins? Uh, he he definitely fight him too, right? Oh yeah, I think I don't think Mean Machine's scared to fight anybody. Yeah. You know that guy. You line him up. You line him up, and you give him a day. He's he's there. So I don't think he has a problem. Um, I just wanted to touch on the 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 Ancajas, uh, Martinez fight, Mike. Ancajas might give a better performance, but I agree with you. I think Martinez now having won that title and gotten some recognition, I think he's going to do everything he can to hold on to that belt. And yeah. I think he's probably prepared himself really, really well to make sure that he keeps the belt. I think the biggest problem with Ancajas, actually not problem, I would say the biggest indictment on Ancajas is that either him or his management never struck while the iron was hot. Yes, sir. Instead of them trying to get a unification as soon as they had that belt, they just milked the shit out of it and had him fighting like all these B and C level guys for paydays. And so what ended up happening was I think the guy got complacent and he ended up, uh, you know, getting stale and going into the Martinez fight. I think he overlooked Martinez and it came back to bite him in the ass. And he has nobody to blame except himself for, you know, overlooking Martinez. He might be better prepared, but I just think Martinez is going to find a way to to win that fight, you know? So, I mean, uh, I, I think that's what's going to happen. And lastly, with uh, Montiel and um, Adamas, that fight's going to be interesting in the second half of the fight, Mike, because uh, Adamas likes to look good in the first six, seven rounds, but then from round eight on, he seems to just run out of steam. So it'll be interesting to see if Adamas can get him to the – I mean, uh, Montiel can get him to that point yeah. and then eventually take him deeper into the championship rounds and then see if he can drown him. Cause I think that's the only way Montiel can win is if he takes him in the deep waters. If he doesn't, then I think Adam should win that fight. So, um, you know, I think the winner of that fight is going to get, uh, Jermel after Jermel fights, um, uh, zoo, zoo yeah. uh, in January. So I'm not looking forward to that, but, Unfortunately, that's what the PBC does is keeping some of these in-house fights that we really don't want to see. So, yes, sir. All right, Mike. So I'll call in on Monday. All right, bro. Have a great weekend, Nacho. All right, man. You too. All right, man. Ciao. Yeah, look, guys, we might end up getting, what, there's four fights on that card, I think, that are televised. We, I don't think the main event's going to be particularly good. I think that's – I'm not going to call it a tune-up. I'm going to call it a showcase fight for Fundora. But the other three fights are legitimate fights that could go either way. You could make a case. Um, that should be pretty entertaining. So that's a good, nice, that's a nice little card that uh, they put together over there at PBC, uh, TGB Promotions. Sam with one more super chat. Thank you so much, Sam. He said, Ankaha showed granite chin, but gets KO'd tomorrow. Oh, bold prediction from Sam to close out the show. Um, I could see it happening. It's just like Nacho said, and like I said, um, he didn't really improve because he hasn't fought any top guys. And being with, I think he's a PBC guy, that entire 115-pound division, everybody's been fighting each other. And, um, you know, there's several different promoters that have been involved in it, but Eddie Hearn kind of grabbed a hold of it in recent years. Uh, Loeffler did really good with it, with the super fly cards. But, man, those guys all fought each other. and then. Ancaus was just sitting outside the bubble, never stepped up, never fought any of those guys, and it bit him in the ass. Uh, I, I like the word Nacho used because he said he kind of got stale. I think that's a great way to put it. 
And that's just kind of what PBC does. <clears throat> anyway, guys, great show. Fun show, man. Um, I'll see you guys Monday. Have a great weekend. And uh, I'll see you at the fights. Enjoy the fights this weekend, all right? Peace. <laughs>